Our first reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2 and reading from verses 29 to 41. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. May God bless to our understanding this reading. The uh, second Bible reading today is uh, taken from the book of John. I'm going to read uh, John 21, verses 15 to 25, and it's page 1137 in my pew Bible. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself 
and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple who Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread amongst the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for all the books that would be written. Thanks be to God for his word. Thanks, Steve, for reading um, the passage of scripture for us this morning. Let's, uh, friends, let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for this passage of scripture that's before us this morning. And Lord, give us understanding of it. Help me to proclaim your word to your precious people this morning faithfully and sincerely before you and them. And we ask your Holy Spirit to continue to do his work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, this morning... I want to talk to you on the topic, the test of love. The test of love. Love. We all really know what love really means, don't we? But what really is love? Is love easy? Is real love easy? I don't think so. Real love is tough. Real love is challenging. Real love will take us to places that we don't want to go. Real love will push us to do things that we don't want to do. Real love will help us to understand uh, human behavior. Real love will help us to understand how we ought to respond to people in times of need. Real love will push us beyond our comfort zone. Real love is really challenging. As parents... Uh, we kind of appreciate it when our children say to us, love you, mom, love you, dad, don't we? Right? Uh, I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do, right? Uh, we tell it to our kids, don't we, as parents? Uh, I trust we do. Uh, we love you. Or you say it to your loved ones, your friends. You may not be a parent this morning. Uh, you might be a single person here this morning. Uh, you might say it to your friends, love you, or, or whatever, to, to that effect. Uh, love is the very fabric of our existence in, the, in, in one respect. It's the very fabric of our human relationships. You take love out of the equation and it will be empty. Uh, God has given us love. It's complex, but yet it is very much part of our human existence. Very much part of the fabric of our relationships, 
one with another. Imagine if there is no love in a home. Imagine if there's no love in the fellowship of God's people. It would be an empty place. What about our love for Jesus? You see, this is a real test of love for Peter this morning. And we're going to look at John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19, which is our text for this morning. You see, Peter was called to follow Jesus. He had spent three years with Jesus. He witnessed the many miracles Jesus did. He was the spokesperson for the rest of the disciples. He was never short of a word. He was always there, upfront man, always willing to come out with the last word. But when it came to the time of testing, Peter failed. In fact, he denied Jesus. He denied that he knew Jesus. And when we come to John chapter 21, Peter encounters the risen Jesus with a serious question that has been put to him by the Lord. It is a question that zooms into Peter's heart. It is a question that focuses on Peter's relationship with Jesus. And I trust that at the end of this message, that it will also be a question that will focus and zoom into our very hearts as well this morning. Well, let me give you the context of this passage. If you have your Bibles open to John chapters 2021 will be very helpful. You see, this is the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. Jesus meets up with the disciples. In fact, in John chapter 20, 19 and 20, Jesus appears to his disciples on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. And then in John chapter 21, verses 1 to 15, we see an appearance again here. Jesus, uh, Peter is out there fishing. Peter decides that he's going to go back to his old trade, the one that he knew best, that was fishing. But he is in for a real surprise. And this is the context here of our passage in John chapter 21. So there is a question that is put to Peter. A probing question. There's a pastoral challenger as well. And there is a personal call to Peter. Well, Peter has gone back to his old trade. He's gone back to fishing, to Galilee, from where he was, where he had come from, so he can earn a living. He goes back to a job he knew only too well. And Peter and the other disciples had followed Jesus for three years, they had left their careers. And followed Christ. Just put yourself for a moment in the situation of these disciples. Just imagine the confusion, the disillusionment that they were facing at this point in time in their lives. They had given up much to follow Jesus. They had put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now think about them for a moment. They had left their business and decided to follow him. Think about Peter. He left his fishing business to follow Jesus. He was a married man. He had to look after his wife, perhaps his family. And there would have been some financial stresses in leaving his job and following Jesus. Was it worth it? Was it time to turn back? Think about it again. Jesus was crucified. 
when he came back to life. He revealed himself to the disciples in the upper room. He came in there, though the doors were locked, came in, he said, peace be with you, and then afterwards disappeared. Can you see that? What's going on with the minds of these guys? Right? In the upper room and he's gone. Imagine the state of confusion for them. One moment he's there, the next moment he's not there. They see the risen Christ and he's gone. Wouldn't you be confused? Wouldn't you be challenged to think what's going on here? You would be. I'm sure we would be. But then we read in chapter 21, verses 1 to 3, afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And Peter says, I am going out to fish. And Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught, absolute, they caught nothing. Now Peter, the experienced fisherman, together with the other disciples, had not caught a single fish. Imagine that. Notice what happens next. 21 verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Again, they could not perhaps identify him. But he called out to them. This is quite interesting. Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on, on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Uh, what we see here, it's very easy to read this passage and pass over this point. What we see here is another astonishing miracle by Jesus. This is the God of creation who is controlling the affairs of fish. What? That seems unreal, isn't it? This is God who is controlling the affairs of his creation here. The catch was so large that they were unable to haul the net in. In fact, they caught large fish, 153 to be precise. There is no spiritual significance to this number 153, so don't try to be an allegorical uh, interpretation of this. It just says 153 fish. And so then, notice this, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is speaking here? This is John. This is John who is speaking He said to Peter, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. What was Peter's reaction to this news? As soon as, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. You see, Peter's response was, it is the Lord. It's one of humility, one of respect for Jesus. He must have been absolutely stunned. He's caught no fish for the whole night. And in the meantime, notice what Jesus does for them. He's got breakfast organized for the disciples. In chapter 21 and verse 9, when they landed, they saw a fire burning of coals. They are with fish on it and some bread. And then Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was 
raised from the dead. Third time. Once you might say, oh, that's a ghost. Twice, maybe a question mark. Third time, he has come. See, remember, this takes me back to a miracle that Jesus performed. The feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus did a miracle of multiplication. From five small barley loaves and two small fish. He fed 5,000 people here. In that instance. And here again, we have a, a mini version of it. We have fish and we have bread. And this, the disciples encounter the risen Jesus. He is alive. And he meets them at their point of need. As often as he does it, your life and mine. Does he not? He meets them in their time of disillusionment. And he ministers to them. And he shows hospitality to them. There is something special in sitting down together for a meal, right? When we sit down together for a meal as families, isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? You have a meal there, your, your wife, your mother, or so, whoever there has cooked a meal, and you sit around the table, and you have a meal, and you talk, and you enjoy it, don't you? You enjoy the company, you enjoy the, 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 the relationship building. There is something special, and the Bible speaks about having meals together. It speaks about hospitality. And I hope, my dear friends, that you and I will open up our homes and invite people to sit around our tables. Okay? Practicing the ministry of hospitality. Look at the number of cultures here we have. Imagine the food. It's not all about the food, is it? It's about the food and the, and the company around it as well. It might mean a humble soup. It might mean... Some whatever, whatever. It's the thing is to get together. Opening up our places. A meal. Jesus often had a meal with his disciples. And when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Why would Jesus ask this question from Peter? Have you asked yourself the question? Why would Jesus ask this question from Peter? Did he not know Peter's heart? Does he not know your heart? Of course he did. The question here is a penetrating one. It is a personal question. It is a question that addresses the very heart of Peter's relationship with Jesus. And Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, more than these could refer to the rest of the disciples. Uh, some commentators are of the view that might refer to the fishing gear and so forth. I, I don't necessarily take that point of view. I think it's referring to Simon Peter, do you love me more than these, more than what these people love me? It's quite possible. The second one is this. Jesus Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. So in the presence, this is the point, friends. In the presence of the other disciples, this threefold question is put to Peter. Now there are two different words in the original that is used in this passage for the word love. For those who are studying the original languages, it's quite an interesting exercise here. Right? When Jesus asked the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? In the first two instances, he uses the same word 
And in the third occasion, he used, he asked it, he asked the question, he uses a different Greek word. In the first two times, Jesus used the word agapao, which is love, a sacrificial love. And Peter responded and he said, I have a deep affection for you by using another word, phileo, which is a brotherly love. And in the third time, the Lord came down to Peter's word by using this word phileo and questioned even that. Now, why would this be? It is very possible, it is very possible that Peter was saying, I don't want to claim a sacrificial type of love for you, Jesus, because I have failed you. And I can't live up to it. I have failed you by denying. I knew you. I don't want to claim that supreme love. But I can claim a more lesser version of that affection. It's in fact a strong affection for you. This is the test of love, friends. And Peter needed to respond to this test. This is the heart and the crux of the matter. Do you love me? And Peter had to deal with this serious question. And this is the foundation upon which Peter's ministry is to be built upon and his relationship with the risen Jesus to continue. And Peter says, I do. And he adds, you know, all things. That's it. And now there is this pastor call as well to Peter. As, as, as Jesus was betrayed and arrested, Peter and John were following behind. And we read in John chapter 18 that Peter denied Jesus three times. We read this in John 13 when, when, where Jesus predicts Peter's denials. John 13, 38. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me. How many times? Three times. And then we read this in Luke 22. In Luke 22, 60, 61, Peter replied, man, this is the question to him, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. Peter publicly disowned Jesus. And then in Matthew, 2675. Then Peter remembered, this is after he denied Jesus, the word Jesus had spoken, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And what did Peter do? He went outside and he wept. Did you see that? The conscience was pricked and the heart was moved. And Peter, this tough bloke, this fisherman, the saying is that blokes don't cry. That's, that's not true. <laughs> we do, don't we? Yeah? Come on, guys. Don't, don't be a... Sh- it's okay, right? We shed tears, right? I mean, Jesus cried. And Peter is weeping. And he's weeping because... He has let down his Savior, Jesus Christ. These are not just tears of, of self-remorse, friends. These are tears of, that is pouring from his heart. The tears that comes out because he has failed in Christ. These are tears of repentance. And you will not proceed, or myself in our lives, until we have come to that place of brokenness in our lives where we will cry out, in penitence 
to the Savior and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. See, our memory text, for the wages of sin is death, isn't it? But the gift of God is eternal life. All have sinned. And so Peter is weeping bitterly. When is the last time that you and I wept for the sins in our lives? We become so blasé about it, aren't we? That we even forget at times to even confess. I'm talking about myself as well. My own sin. And Peter weeps. He was a repentant man. And Peter remembers the words of Jesus. And you see, in, 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 the, in, in the Gospel of Luke, it's, it's quite striking that Luke says this and he records this. The Lord immediately turned and looked straight at Peter. The look of Christ. Must have been an incredible scene. Think about it. The Lord's there and he looks and Peter sees it. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, take care of my sheep. Third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then Peter was so hurt, as we saw, said, you know all things, feed my sheep. Three times, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. As Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? He denied Jesus publicly. Jesus deals with him publicly. Jesus reinstates Peter into a position of leadership three times, saying to him, take care of my flock. Jesus said to him three times, take care of my sheep. They are precious. You see, leaders here in this church, when we pray at our session meeting, I always bring it out to our elders. You can ask them. Always reminding them that you, God's people, are precious to him. And precious to us. Right? I want you to know that. As your pastor, as your minister, you are precious to God and precious to us. Precious to me. You're precious to your Savior Jesus. And we have every responsibility to discharge our duties under God's grace to look after and care for you. If we can't do it, this is not my place to be. Now, I'm not a perfect guy. You've copied me for 10 years. You've seen my faults. You've seen my sins. You've seen, you've seen me. It's just, right. But if I failed in any way, you need to let me know. Because as a church, we're committed to help you grow. Because this text, when I was preparing this again, reminded me that the sheep is mine, Jesus says. It is his people. The church doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to anyone. It is His. If you are a believer here this morning, you are His. My precious people. And Peter is to be a shepherd of the Lord's people. And the evidence of Peter's sincerity in stating that he loved the Lord Jesus would be in the way in which he would fulfill what Jesus is now saying to him. Feed my sheep and feed my lambs. In fact, in 1 Peter, we'll be coming back to our study 1 Peter next week. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, he says, this is Peter writing. It says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are. You are willing 
as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonored, honest gain, but eager to serve. And this is Peter the pastor. This is Peter the elder. This is Peter who is reinstated by Jesus. Peter moves from brokenness to one of service. Having been restored to a right relationship with the Lord, reinstated to the role of leadership. His public sin has been dealt with graciously by the Lord. Have you repented of your sin? See, the cross reminds us of all our failures, but it tells us about the perfect Savior. Does it not? The cross of Christ shows me my sin. But the cross of Christ also shows me grace. The cross of Christ shows me the darkness of sin. And the cross of Christ shows me the light of my salvation. The cross of Christ shows me the depths of my sin. And the cross of Christ shows me the depth of God's love and grace. You see, never let your past sins put you down. See, Peter had to be dealt with. But I want to show you something amazing that takes place also in Peter's life because there is a personal call here. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Peter had heard the call by Jesus previously. Follow me. This time the call is different. This time the call that comes to Peter comes from the risen Savior Jesus Christ. The all-conquering King who has risen from the grave. And he says, follow me Peter. And Peter followed. He went from a man who was scared of the opinion of a teenage girl who denied Jesus to a man who stands up on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the feast of Pentecost. And what does he do there in Acts chapter 2? Peter preaches one of the most amazing sermons. He hadn't been to a theological college, hadn't been to the PDC or anywhere. Well, there was no PDC at the time. You see, Peter had heard and seen, if you look at the text in Acts chapter 2, he says, we are witnesses of what, what took place. And he called people to repent of their sins, to return, to receive eternal life in Jesus through faith and grace. And because of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Peter and the Lord's loving and gracious restoration, Peter moves from being a rough fisherman to be one of those powerful preachers in the New Testament. Why? Because he followed the Savior. He preached at Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. Peter was so powerful that due to the Lord's touch upon his life, the people were healed in his shadow, Acts chapter 5. People were bringing sick to them, to Peter. Prominent leader, responsible for the spread of the gospel. Let me give you one instance, friends, further on this matter of Peter. In Acts chapter 10, we have an account, if you look in your Bibles, Acts chapter 10, of the, the home of Cornelius. Let me point this out. This is important here. Up until that point, the thinking was that if you had to worship God, you had to be a Jew. And you had to participate as a Jew. Be circumcised and fulfill all other Jewish requirements. But God gives Peter a dream in Acts 
chapter 10, which makes the point that the gospel is to all nations. And as God sends Peter to the home of Cornelius, something amazing takes place. Cornelius' entire household gathers around Peter. He teaches the good news of the Lord Jesus. The entire household comes to faith in Christ, his employees, his extended family, children, everyone. And in that sense, I want to submit to you this morning that we are descendants of the legacy of Peter's proclamation in the household of Cornelius. Why do I say that? That through this preaching by Peter in the home of Cornelius, the gospel went out to non-Jews. Right? And Peter was a central part in God's mission plan. Why? Because Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. Peter, follow me. And he did. How did Peter's life end? Jesus told Peter he would die a martyr. The Bible does not record for us the death of Peter. However, church history tells us that Peter was crucified. Historian Eusebius cites uh, Eusebius cites the, uh, the testimony of Clement of Rome, who says that Peter was forced to witness his wife's crucifixion. It is said that while Peter watched his wife being led to be crucified, he called her by name and said, Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. And history testifies to the fact that Peter himself pleaded to be crucified upside down. Because he was not worthy to die as Jesus did. What a tremendous transformation we see in the life of Peter after he met the risen Christ. The man who denied Christ three times is lovingly restored. How about you this morning, friends? So life been transformed by Jesus? Jesus said, Follow me. And Peter responded to that personal call by the Lord. He was not perfect. Repented, was forgiven, and Peter experienced forgiveness, grace, mercy, restoration. If anyone repents and turns to Jesus in faith, such a person will find forgiveness. Such a person will find mercy and grace. Many times we have failed. Yeah? Many times we have not loved the Lord the way we should have. Right? I want to ask you this question this morning. The real test of love. Do you love Jesus? It's not about a church. It's not about a system of thinking. I think when we settle this question, when you settle this question in your heart, Things will change. Your priorities will change. Your desires will change. Your motivation for service will change. Your passion for the gospel will change. Your passion to reach the lost will change. Your passion to follow Christ will change when you settle this question once and for all. Your love for Jesus. Your desire to be part of God's people. Your desire to come Sunday by Sunday and worship. Your desire to, to get involved. Everything will be settled with this question that Jesus puts to you. Do you love me? 
That's it. That's it. Can you answer it this morning? I'm putting myself in this as well. It's a question that we need to revisit time and time again. Because there may be a, you may be going through a patch in your life. You may be going through a period of where you kind of backslidden just like Peter did. You may be wanting to be tempted to go back to the old ways because it seemed as if everything is lost. And the question to you and the question to me and the question to the church is from Jesus our Savior is do you love me? And if you settle that question before the Lord, like I said, things will change. But if you're uncertain with that question, and you're wavering, and you're trying to, oh yeah, I love him today, and I don't tomorrow, and I probably do, you are sitting on a fence, friends. Is that clear? And Peter could not sit on the fence. He had to answer the question direct to him. He said, Lord, I do. The defining issue for Peter was love. This is discipleship, friends. And what does it mean to follow Jesus? Does the call of Jesus to follow him personally, what does that mean to you this morning? I trust that it means that you're living a fulfilled life in Christ. I trust that to follow Jesus means that you continue to trust in him. I trust that to follow Jesus means that you're living a surrendered life. All to Jesus, I... What is it? Surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. This is it, friends. This is the relationship that will usher you into eternity. This is the relationship that will usher you into heaven. That in your point of death in your life and mine, it is this question, how have I dealt with Jesus, that will really matter. Because if you know in your heart this morning, Lord, I love you with all my imperfections because you have so loved me. That means it is grace. It means you are a child of the living God. How wonderful is that? You see, let me say this. Was Jesus lacking love? Was he lacking love? No. He's God in the flesh. He's all sufficient. He does not need our love to make him complete. Why love Jesus? Because he gave his life for us. He paid the penalty for our sins. He showed us his love by offering his life on the cross. This is the test of life applied to our hearts. Can we say this morning, I love you, Lord. What does Jesus think about your love for him today? How do we fare this test of love for the Lord? Did you love him this morning? When, when was the last time you said to the Lord, Lord, I love you. I've not lived the life that I should have lived, but today I want to say to you this morning, from my heart, I love you, Lord. I love you for all that you have done for me. And Jesus will embrace you and will shower you with his grace and he will give you his blessing through his spirit to live a life for him.
Do you love the Lord? Question that only you can answer. If you don't this morning, maybe there's someone here who does not know Jesus. Maybe God is speaking to you. I say to you this morning to just say these words, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I don't, there's two ways to live. One is without you, and one is with you. From now on, I want to live for you. Amen. Father, you know our hearts. You know exactly our love for you this morning. We know that from time to time, our love grows cold and callous towards you, Lord. I pray this morning, with all our infirmities, that truly we'll be able to say from our hearts that we love Jesus. If there is anyone here this morning who does not know Christ, may today be the beginning of a new journey of faith. For those of us who know you, Lord, help us to go forth from this place. And share that love with a loveless world, a world that is lost without you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, we're going to sing this song, Go Forth.